Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Steve Frazier. Steve, are you ready to do this? We are ready, George. I like it. Let, let's do this. Steve is an AIF. He is the founder and president of Frazier Investment Management, serving small and medium-sized businesses. I'm excited to have you on. Steve, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Absolutely. Thanks, George. So I have two small daughters. One is one and one is three. So I've been up for quite a few hours this morning already. <laughs> but uh, I live in the, the wonderful and small state of Rhode Island uh, with my wife. Uh, we started or I had started this particular business, Frazier Investment Management, after uh, multiple years at a large firm. Um, basically, I saw a need for uh, the help of other small, medium sized businesses and uh specifically for entrepreneurs. Um, I wanted to build out a firm that was more specific to uh, the needs of the families of those entrepreneurs, business owners, um, and use what we had learned from working with many of them in the past to to develop a firm that was pretty specific to uh, to their needs. So that's how we uh, got where we're at in, in the great state of Rhode Island here. And uh, thanks for having me on today. Yeah, I appreciate that. I've got a one and a four-year-old son, so I I, I, I totally oh, yeah. empathize. I've been sleep deprived for <laughs> roughly the last four years. So, <laughs> <laughs> sounds accurate. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of how that goes. Well, nice. Well, I appreciate that. It's you know when 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 you find yourself working with a specific kind of client, it makes sense to to want to niche down and to be able to to offer the services, whatever it might be that, that, that they're actually looking for, and not only for them, but then their families. So what are some of those specific needs? Um, a lot of what we do is uh, has to do with tax deferral and um, has to do with uh, making sure the client is getting the most out of the money that the, either they themselves are earning or the business is earning. So it's often that we're designing specific retirement plans or specific uh, strategies that have to do with, you know, getting or allowing business owners specifically or their families uh, to keep as much of the money that they're earning or making as possible. Um, it's easy to uh, get lost down the day-to-day uh, -day minutia of your business and not focus on the end of the year or, you know, pl investment planning. It should be done along the way, especially as businesses start to get more and more successful. Um, you know, the classic one is the 401k or the simple IRA or uh, in planning that way. But then it's, you know, as people evolve or as incomes increase, um, there's often other other opportunities through uh, profit sharing and deferred comp that, that you can start to get into the weeds of. And we work heavily with with our clients, accountants um, and also often their attorneys to make sure that we're um, designing something that works for them. Uh, you know, the classic thing that we run into is uh, the orphaned 401k plans or the or the uh, plans that have not been serviced very often. And there's usually, you know, easy efficiencies that can that the average person can can work with to uh, to make a pretty big difference in their lives. Nice. Tell me a little bit about some of those easy efficiencies. Why don't we start there? Sure. The number one is always fees. It's it's often that we dig into plans that haven't been touched or worked with in a while, um, or even uh, 
common uh, investment accounts for a client, like an IRA at a large investment firm or what have you, in which they're not getting service and they're not getting value for what they're paying. And we we often do work for free. We often uh, uh, talk to people and say, look, you know, there's you should if you're going to pay for our type of work, you better be getting the value for that type of work. And you better have a, a personal connection and conversation with the people you are working with. Um, it's often, you know, that people are paying the same price for, I would call, a faceless service than they are for a tailored or um, custom service. And it's something that, uh, you know, when there's not a proactive reach out, you tend to miss a lot of things along the way or a lot of places where you could, you know, tuck away some more tax deferred money, take more money off your taxes, keep you know, keep what you've earned as opposed to um, giving it away in the cost of fees or paying taxes you really don't need to. Yeah. I find that people don't mind paying for things when they're actually receiving value, but when they're just paying for things and not getting any value, then that's less good, that's ex- right? That's exactly right. <laughs> but you don't know what you don't for know, sure. and and so often we're, we are just in, wrapped up in the minutiae of our business, and we don't have time or the attention or whatever it is to, to be able to devote to this stuff. You got it. That's exactly right. You know, we encourage people all the time to, to take a pretty regular – uh, review of what they have going on. You know, that even goes for our clients that are working with us. We want to make sure that they're getting the value that they're paying for. We often tell them, especially in the onboarding process, you know, very specifically, if you're going to pay 1% or a half percent on X amount of dollars, what that actually is, quantify how much money that is and, you know, make sure that value is being, uh, you know, that you're getting the value out of that and uh, using us. Yeah, we encourage people to, to use the service often when when we're they're paying us for sure. Yeah, yeah, that it probably sounds like a funny thing to people, but then you recognize that you know, hey, let's have this conversation really up up front about it because you know if people are not taking advantage of it, then you probably don't want them to be paying you. That's exactly we've had that we've we've told people that yeah that that you know you may be paying us for something that you don't need mm-hmm. and. They either move on or, or we change them to a different cost structure, which is more, you know, more common. Is, is there oftentimes some kind of an event where, where, where people will sort of recognize, okay, I, I've been doing this on my own without professional advice for this long, but now it's time to actually figure out if I'm actually doing things the right way? Or why, why do yeah. people come to you? Great question. And there could not be a more relevant recent answer to that. And that was how people reacted during the uh, heights of the coronavirus, uh, you know, stock market drop. And so how people thought they were going to react and how people actually reacted when the market was dropping 10 percent a day uh, are two different things. And we, you know, we acquired some clients through that particular period of time when they realized, you know, maybe my emotions too much. Um, I couldn't stick to where I knew I needed to, you know, kind of hang in, uh, in terms of portfolio allocation. Um, and maybe I need to take a really good look at, um, why I am allocated one way or the other or invested one way or the other. And we pre kind of preach this purposeful investing, you know, you don't do it just to one day have enough money to, uh, to retire. Um, building an actual plan and understanding why you're investing in specific areas of the market or specific uh, allocations 
you know, is important because when you it comes to stress time, like we all experienced and continue to experience um, with the coronavirus, uh, you need to know why you are doing one thing over the other and why certain parts of the market are reacting the way they are. And, you know, maybe how history tells us they will react on the other side of this. And um, that particular event caused a lot of people to kind of inwardly look at why or how they were invested, especially after you know, 2019 had wonderful t- uh, stock market returns. People were feeling good. The economy was really good. Um, and then and we often found people were probably taking on more risks than they either thought or wanted to because money was easy. So, you know, that particular event caused a lot of people to look inward and, and seek out advice. So that was that was an interesting one for sure, I think, in our lifetimes that we I hope we don't have to do again. Yeah. Knock on wood, right? So exactly. I, I, I love the idea of purposeful investing and helping to educate clients on just why it is that this is the approach that's being taken. Um, how, how, how deep do you need to go? You're probably not trying to turn people into CFAs, right? But they do need some knowledge. Um, it's a great question. You know, one thing we use, we use a, uh, a tool called Riskalyze to, and we use a couple other internal, um, kind of risk modeling or, um, software. We want to show people what a stressful environment would do to a specific allocation that they own. And it's often we'll do a full financial plan before we suggest any allocation uh, anyways, uh, because you know, getting to a specific goal and being able to follow that goal along is usually more uh, use or impactful when markets fluctuate. But um, we go pretty deep into the uh, stress testing of a portfolio that we are suggesting or a portfolio that has evolved throughout the years. Um, you know, as we move forward in a relationship. So we go pretty in depth. The The classic one is obviously you can look back at 08. You can look at, we're all going to get to look back at the coronavirus and all of our data here soon and what happened. And, um, and the big one that uh, I think for retirement type investors, we're seeing more and more that more and more people should really look at in terms of stress testing is what happens when inflation or interest rates actually do rise. And we're starting to get hints of that in the market. If we do continue to get um, stimulus, it's going to increase. We're going to see some type of inflation, most likely. And you know, most of the baby boomer type generation and and thereafter have only experienced a bull market in bonds, as rates have dropped from the late you know from the 80s. So to understand that you can lose money in bonds and things like that, and explaining why you own a specific type of bond over another, has been a lot of our recent our recent stress testing conversations because that is real and, and that is a possible uh, hiccup, we'll call it, you know, as the next kind of event. So as people are listening and they're thinking, oh, I have no idea what that's going to do to my financial situation, you know, give us a quick overview. Yeah. Sure. As interest rates tend to rise uh, or interest rates rise or inflation rises, uh, all of the bonds that are out there, if you will, that were at those wonderfully low interest rates and those wonderful, best example actually, let's back up, is if you bought a house within the past couple of years and you said, wow, what a wonderfully low interest rate I have on this house, um, I'm saving so much money. Well, eventually, those rates will most likely go up due to uh, an oversupply of bonds or, or inflation, or the Federal Reserve will make a change. And as those rates actually go up, 
the bonds or, uh, for instance, mortgage that you have uh, will increase in rate. And if you had a bond in your portfolio that you paid three or you bought and you were getting, we'll call it 3% to be really round. And now I can go into this into the general bond market and get 4% on that same exact bond. And I want to sell my 3% bond to somebody. My 3% bond is going to be worth less to somebody in the open marketplace, very similar to the stock market. And since we've only really had decreasing interest rates on the whole for the past 30 years, um, what actually happened was those bond prices went up because the old bonds were more valuable than the new bonds were. And if you owned a bond fund in your 401k or in or an individual bond, then you probably saw appreciation. The opposite can happen. And we saw some hints of that in 2013, and we saw some hints of it a year or so ago as they started to taper, um, or a couple of years ago. And that's a real, it's a real risk to people's portfolios that this quote unquote stable, safe money they thought they had could plausibly lose principal value. And as uh, you and I both know, if you go open a checking or savings account and you look at what the savings rate is and you, you almost chuckle that it's so low, um, you know, that cash holdings or what have you, you know, that's, that, that's basically you're looking at what the bond rates are, you know, you're looking at what short-term rates are. So those could change. Yeah, it's a, it's been such an interesting environment to be, to be an investor over the past, certainly uh, 30 years, certainly the last 20 years, uh, where there's really only been one viable option. You know, it's been sort of the stock market, right? It's been equities. And now as, as, as changes keep happening, I know that there's so much uncertainty out there um, and people just, just don't really understand. Yeah, yeah for, for sure, for sure. The, uh, the recent run that we've had has obviously been uh, piques our interest in terms of valuation. You know, it doesn't take a lot to figure out when you look at the Reddit-fueled um, type buying. It's reminiscent of sorts of 2000 or, or the coronavirus type buying, which was really... Uh, fueled by tech and names that don't have earnings. Um, and we're not against those types of companies. It's just that when we now look at how stretched those valuations are, and um, we're in a pretty specific, uh, special environment, uh, one in which it feels as though we've front-loaded a recovery. We're going to continue to induce stimulus, um, looking at things like bonds and how that safety part of your holdings is definitely worth a shot or definitely worth a look and to stress test right now yeah yeah i think that that's well said you know if it's not one thing it's 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 another you're talking about working with business owners they're just worried about how they're managing through corona from a actually operating their business standpoint and and yeah. worried about family and everything else, and now they have to worry about interest rates and, and bonds and, and, and all this other stuff too. So it's probably probably a good time to be, if you've not, uh, having these conversations. Absolutely. You got it. And when we're talking about 401k, we're talking about profit sharing, deferred compensation. It's just These are just the tactics, right? How do you, how do you go about designing an overall strategy for, for a client? In specific, specific to like a, um, uh, their retirement planning. Yeah, or just, just uh, I, I, I probably should have said just overall financial, whatever it is that they're interested in doing. What is a typical, oh, sure. what does a typical sure. engagement look like? Oh, great question. 
So I wish pe- more people would actually ask that. You know, it's uh, we talk about that often, where maybe that should be a little bit more of a blueprint on you know our website or or even in our general industry. But our typical uh, engagement ends up being, uh, I would say, most of our clients are either uh, some type of referral or personal relationship that we had you know created, um, or uh, we do actually more and more, believe it or not, have gotten internet-based leads. Um, due to uh, either appearances we've done or, um, you know, blog posts or, or say we're featuring Yahoo Finance or whatever it may be. So um, we typically do an onboarding process that uh, takes about an hour in terms of interviewing through, I'd say, a pretty deep dive of somebody's financial picture, um, getting a, the best idea really of what their wants and our needs are. Um, and we tend to schedule another couple meetings. The second one is almost always a walk through a personal balance sheet that we create from the first meeting. Um, there tends to be quite a bit of homework in these particular pieces of time. And, and um, you know, some clients like that, some clients don't. But um, in order to get a really good uh, financial picture or put together a real plan, I encourage everybody that's listening to this that, that you really have an understanding of where your accounts are what those accounts look like and in the simplest sense especially if you're a business owner what your debt to uh, assets are and or your liabilities to assets are to get a really uh, good look at what a personal balance sheet looks like and after starting there we dive much deeper into uh, actual financial planning typically that we uh, first to retirement you know everybody wants to know when they can retire that's a really hard question for somebody that's in their 30s or 40s honestly um, there's a lot of variables. Uh, the biggest one being we really don't know what expenses are going to be between now and then, even with inflation. Um, but if you are trying to look down that way, we we do do a whole lot of um, projections and modeling when it comes to uh, the information you can give us. And I would say a typical onboarding process is about four meetings. We do our initial discovery. We do a, a balance sheet um, review. We usually do one last tweak uh, of a full financial plan. And then the last meeting is usually an acceptance or a, a discussion on allocation in which we tend to uh, do that stress testing that you and I had discussed earlier to make sure people truly are comfortable with the, either the risk they're taking or the returns they may possibly you know, be projected to get. Because it's, it's oftentimes as well, people don't take enough risk based upon uh, what their goals or needs actually are. Um, you know, maybe they have too much bonds or cash or what have you. And explaining what those either needs might look like or fluctuations or how to get to a specific point um, is all kind of part of that. But I would say our typical onboarding is about four meetings. It's a lot of work for both uh, them and us. And you know, you end up having to carve out quite a bit of time. But I can tell you the heavy lifting is up front. It is absolutely worth it to have you know, an idea where you're going, uh, especially, if you're, especially if you have any type of uh, aspirations for retiring <laughs> at a reasonable time. Yeah, I love it. Well, Steve, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Corona taught us this, and it taught us it again and again. And um, it's something, as I mentioned earlier, that 2019 was so good in the markets that uh, people sort of, and you know, the economy was was raging, uh, that people threw caution to the wind a little bit. I can't stress enough to have a cash balance that is meaningful and it doesn't have to be invested you know it's something that is nice 
in a decently yielding savings account. Kind of a joke right now, I know. Decent yielding, but um, you can shop that around. I cannot stress enough when, when Corona came around, especially for business owners or for um, people in sensitive, like cyclical type jobs, uh, having the cushion to brace through those first couple weeks as we all saw things like PPP or um, you know still closures in certain industries. If, if you had all of your money in the market and you needed that money, or if all of that money was in a tax deferred account and you couldn't really touch it in an easy manner, um, I can't stress enough have, well, I, I don't always like to call it emergency fund, like our friend Dave Ramsey, who has great advice on this, on this stuff, but um, you know, some type of operating account that gives you freedom. Uh, we can't stress enough. And, and uh, sounds a little counterintuitive to somebody that uh, professionally invests money to tell you not to, but uh, I wouldn't be investing much unless, unless you have that, um, that piece of the pie already taken care of. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Yeah, that's just just, just the foundation. I love it. Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you, and how can people engage with you? Um, So I do encourage you to connect with us on LinkedIn, both myself and my colleagues. Um, I'm on there, Stephen Frazier, and uh, Brian Murphy is is, uh, my other colleague that that is on uh, LinkedIn. I also encourage you to visit our blog and our website, FraserIM.com, which is F-R-A-Z-I-E-R-I-M.com. And then um, always feel free to send us an email, steve at FraserIM.com. Perfect. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Steve your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find him on LinkedIn. Go to FraserIM.com. Shoot him an email. Thanks again, Steve. George, real pleasure. Thanks. Appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. You as well. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.